Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. And over these next few weeks, we start a uh, new uh, sermon series called Invitations from Jesus. You know, we love to receive an invitation. When we receive an invitation, it means that someone values us. You know, someone actually enjoys our presence. They want us there at their party, at their wedding, at their graduation, whatever that significant moment is. They value us enough. They enjoy our presence enough that they want us to be a part of it. And whenever we receive an invitation, we've got a decision to make. Do we actually value that person? And do we enjoy their presence? And so will we accept the invitation or reject the invitation. Now this is the incredible bit. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, creator of heaven and earth, invites you to come close to him because he values you and he enjoys your presence. Incredible. We've got a decision to make. Will we accept that invitation and come close or will we reject that invitation? Jesus makes lots of invitations that we're going to unpack over the next few weeks. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. He says, come to me, all of you who are thirsty, and you will be refreshed. You'll be like streams of living water. You know, come to me and follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. I pray that today that you would accept the invitation that Jesus has for you as we read his word today. Let me pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you do invite us. Thank you that you came to earth, you put on flesh, you became like us, you moved into the neighborhood and you showed us who you are and what you're like and you revealed your heart to us. God, today, as we unpack your word, would you reveal your heart to us, your love and your mercy, and God, would you reveal to us your power, your sovereignty, that you truly are, as we've sung this morning, Lord of all. In every storm, you are Lord. God, today, would we accept your invitation to follow you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some years ago now, I, I received an invitation to watch my first ever Aussie Rules game. I'd uh, grown up playing rugby all my life, and so at almost the age of 30, I had never seen an Aussie rules game. I didn't understand the game. I couldn't understand a game where you're allowed to knock on and nobody cared. I didn't understand a game where you could miss and still get a point. But, uh, you know, that kind of seemed like a crazy game. But one Saturday afternoon, and this was a long time ago now when our kids were little, uh, my brother-in-law, Andrew, rang me and he said, I've got free tickets to watch the Swans at the SCG. Do you want to come with me? He invited me to come to the footy with me. It was a long time ago. Our kids were little, and so I had a choice to make. You know, I, I could either stay at home on a Saturday night and uh, help control the kids, bath the kids, and then have an exciting game of Scrabble with Susan while the kids went to sleep, or I could go to the footy for free. I mean, how bad can this game really be? So I quickly accepted the invitation. I said, yeah, I'd love, love to go uh, to the footy. And then in the next breath, he gave me another invitation. He says, I'm riding in on my bike 
do you want to come with me? He invited me to come on the back of his bike. I had to think a little longer about that invitation because I'd been on the back of his bike twice before and twice before I'd almost seen Jesus face to face. Twice I'd been on the back of his bike and both times we went between the gutter and a car going around a corner on the wrong side of the road. And this was a long time ago. But both times, I was wearing no helmet and just a pair of shorts. And so I had to think very long and hard about this second invitation. I thought, surely he's grown up. Surely he's matured. He's more sensible now. And so I said, yes, I'll uh, accept that invitation too. About two hours later, I peered out of our uh, kitchen window And into the driveway at about 120 kilometres an hour comes my brother-in-law, you know, riding a Yamaha YZRQS 1000. And I kid you not, the number plate on the back was bad one. I think I may have made a wrong decision here, like a very bad one, a very bad decision. But it was too late. I'd already accepted the invitation. I I walked out uh, the front door, put my helmet on and a jacket on this time, and I jumped on the back of the bike, and we took off out of our driveway. And and I wasn't out of our street, and I realised I'd made a bad decision. I I could feel the onset of stomach ulcers. You know, I didn't have any grey hairs in my head at that time, but they just started, I could feel them popping out of my head before we got out of our street. My brother-in-law thought it was a really good idea to lean the bike over as close as we could to the asphalt when we went around corners, so our knees were almost touching the road. I didn't think that was a good idea, and so I leaned back the other way as, as much as I could. I was glad that it was Saturday night and Sunday was coming soon because I had some serious confession to do the next day. I was making up swear words that I didn't even know, but I was pretty sure they were bad. Remember, this was a long time ago. And, uh, you know, after the second roundabout, we went around and I almost single-handedly, from the back of the bike, steered the bike into a power pole. My brother-in-law stopped the bike. He pulled over, lifted his helmet and said, Jason, you are the worst passenger I have ever had. You keep leaning the wrong way and you're steering the bike. He says, you've just got to relax. You've just got to trust me. And you've just got to go with the bike. Relax and go with the bike. Relax. Are you kidding me? You know, by the time we got to the SCG, I was holding on to the back of that bike so tight, he had to prise my fingers, you know, off the rack, on the back. I went zooming along Parramatta Road, going in and out of traffic, and I'm watching 500 metres ahead, and I'm tapping him on the shoulder when I can see something he needs to avoid. I'm pulling his shoulders back when I think he needs to slow down a little bit. I'm tapping him on the helmet when I can see a Volvo in the distance, because all Volvos are bad, Volvo drives are bad, drivers. And so, you know, I'm I'm trying to control this bike from the back. 
I don't have my hands on the handlebars. I don't have my hands on the, on the brake. I don't have my feet on the pedals. But I'm doing everything I can to control my, the bike from the back. And I'm thinking, why don't I like this? Why am I hating this so much? And I realized it was because as much as I tried, I didn't have control and I didn't trust the one who did. With good reason. My brother-in-law's a maniac. I didn't trust him. You know, I actually like riding bikes. I kind of like the adrenaline rush of going fast. But I didn't trust the one who was in control. I'll never forget this. I, I just remember God in that moment just whispering into my heart, you don't let me have control either. You don't trust me. You see, that stage of my life, I, uh, I wanted Jesus along for the ride in my life. But I wanted to hold on to the handlebars and point my life in the direction I wanted it to go. I, I wanted my hand on the accelerator and the brakes and deciding when we're taking off and when we're stopping. You see, I wanted Jesus along for the ride. I just wanted to stay in control. Because Jesus is a handy guy to have along for the ride. You know, when, when things aren't going too good and you're a little bit stressed out, it's good to have Jesus along for the ride. Just, you know, calm me down a bit, Jesus. Give me some of your peace that you've got. You know, when, 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 when you're under stress and, and you haven't done enough study for that exam, Jesus is a good guy to have along for the ride. Come on, just do something supernatural. Just get all that stuff, you know, in, in my brain and help me to understand. He's a handy guy to have along for the ride. When your marriage is getting a little bit, you know, off the rails, you know, come on, Jesus, come on, just do your miracle stuff here and make this all work for me. And, and one day we're going to die. And if you ride on a motorbike with my brother-in-law, it'll be sooner rather than later. But one day we're going to die. And when we die, Jesus is a handy guy to have along for the ride. He's kind of our ticket to heaven. You see, Jesus is a good guy to have along for the ride, but I, I want to stay in control. Now, this is a serious problem because it's not what Jesus invites us to. Jesus never, you check the scriptures, he never invites himself to come along for the ride in your life. Jesus actually invites us to surrender control to him. Let's have a look at Luke 9 verse 23. I'm going to read it in the message first and then in the NIV. It says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Anyone who intends to come with me, to accept the invitation to come with me, to be with me, to follow me, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. You see, Jesus never invites himself along for the ride. He invites us to surrender control of our lives to him. Let me read it again, this time in the NIV. You might recognize it a little bit more. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. It's full of ancient language and ancient symbols, and Eugene Peterson has changed it quite significantly in the message, but the intent is the same. 
See, to deny ourselves is actually not to deny ourselves any worldly pleasures or possessions. Jesus is not inviting us to some kind of religious you know, asceticism or monasticism where we kind of deny ourselves anything uh, that, that we enjoy. To, to deny ourselves is to actually say no to our self-centered desires and yes to God. It's what Jesus teaches us to pray when he says, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It's what Jesus prayed at the end of his life when he says, not my will, but yours be done. That's what it means to deny ourselves. It's the opposite of actually to confess, to confess Christ as Lord. The opposite is to deny ourselves. And then he says, take up your cross. This is before Jesus died. It's before his disciples you know, really understood that he was going to be crucified. But they understood that under this Roman regime, that, that convicted criminals would carry part of their cross up the hill. They would march to their death. He's saying, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Not, not your will, but my will be done. And you're going to have to do it daily. Daily put your selfishness, your self-centered desires to death. It's a daily walk of going to put yourself to death and say yes to me and follow me. You see, Jesus invites us to surrender control of our lives to him. One of the reasons that we struggle to do this, and we all struggle to do this, one of the reasons that we struggle to give control of our lives to Jesus is because we're not convinced he really loves us. You see, until you're absolutely captured by the extravagant love of God, you will not surrender control of your life to him. You know, my son Joey turned, he's my youngest son, he's my only son, turned 19 uh, yesterday. I've got three daughters that I love and one son that I love, but he is my only son. He's got a special place in my heart since the day he was born. I've always loved that kid. I still love that kid. I take a bullet for that kid from the moment that he was born. But I've got to admit, when he was 10 years old, sorry, two years old, I wondered Why? What's he done to deserve my love? What's he done to make me love him like this? I mean, when he was two years old, he would wake me up at 4.30 in the morning. You know, he would come in uh, to my room and he, he would just start to pull my eyelids back and just say, wake up, wake up. And if I wouldn't wake up, he'd just start poking me in the eyes like this. And he'd say, wiggles, wiggles because he'd want to get up and watch the wiggles. And so I'd get up, and this was a long time ago, I'd put the, uh, the, the video cassette into the player, and we would watch the, the wiggles, and I would be driving to work an hour or so later, you know, singing, cold spaghetti, cold spaghetti, mashed banana, mashed banana. It was driving me insane every morning. And so I realised after a couple of mornings that I could take him out and put him in front of the wiggles, and he was so transfixed by those dudes in skivvies that he would, he would uh, forget and, and I could wander away and go back to bed. That's Parenting 101 right there. And then one morning I heard this calamity going on out in the kitchen and I went out and he's, he's, he's gone into the pantry and he's just pulled all the contents of the pantry out onto the floor. I'm thinking, why do I love this kid? 
Now, what's he done to deserve it? So I did what I do what all good parents did. I put a lock on the pantry door and I put him back in front of the Wiggles. A couple of mornings later, you know, I, I, I come out and he's been through the bin. He's hungry, he's looking for food and he can't get into the pantry and there's just scraps all over the floor. Thinking, why do I love this kid? But the morning, you know, I really asked that question. I really wondered, why do I love this kid? Why would I take a bullet for him? Why is there so much love in my heart for him? It was the morning, you know, I woke up and I could feel him brushing my hair. And, and just as I began to open my eyes and wake up, he, he was brushing my teeth and I opened my eyes and I saw he's brushing my teeth with the toilet brush. And I'm laying there in my bed and I'm picking out bits of poo and paper, you know, from my teeth and I'm looking at my son and I'm going, why? Why do I love this kid so much? And I remember thinking there's three really simple reasons. Firstly, he looks a little bit like me and I like that. He looks a bit like me. Secondly, and I won't say too much more about this, but I had something to do with making him. And that's pretty cool. And thirdly, he's mine. He's my kid. He belongs to me. And God just showed me in that minute, moment, the unconditional love of the Father. You see, God looks at you exactly the same way. Even when we mess around in the toilet of sin, we mess around in stuff that is beneath our calling. We have a Father in heaven that looks at us and says, you look a little bit like me, and I like that. First chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 27, male and female, we are all made in the image of God. We look a little bit like him, and he's like that from the very beginning. Secondly, we had, he had something to do with making us. Psalm 139 says that he knitted us together in our mother's womb. And everything and everyone that he's made is fearfully and wonderfully made. He had something to do with making us. And he loves that. And thirdly, we're his. We're his kids. 1 John 3 verse 1 says how great is how love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Can someone say amen? That's what God is like. He loves us. He can't help it. He, he loves you because you look like him because he had, you had, he had something to do with making you, of knitting you together and, and you're his kids. You belong to him. He loves you. And there's nothing that you can do to deserve it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing that you can do to make him love you more or make him love you less. He just does. But until we get a revelation of the extravagant and unconditional love of the Father, we will not surrender our lives to anyone. If there was one time that the Father should have said, that's it. That's the end of my love for you. Well, that's where I'm just going to press pause on my love for you. It was at the cross. You see, Jesus himself did make a death march carrying that crossbeam up a hill. But he didn't deserve it. 
You see, if there was a moment in history where God should have said, you know, you've just stepped over the conditions of my love for you, I'm just pressing pause for a moment. It was this moment in history when, when the Son of God had his clothes torn off him and he was completely humiliated and he was prodded with a stick and he was whipped within an inch of his life. There was one moment in history, it was when the Son of God, the hands that flung stars into space, was spat upon. Insults were hurled upon him. And those very same hands were actually nailed to a cross. Feet were nailed to a cross. He wasn't just in physical agony, but he was in relational agony and emotional agony, spiritual agony as all of the sins in your heart and in my heart, in our lives, and all of the sins and the filth of all mankind were heaped upon his shoulders. If there was one moment in all of history where God should have said, I can't love you right now. My heart has turned away from you. It was that moment. But what does Jesus say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That, my friends, is a steadfast love that never ceases. That is the unconditional love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's because of this cross that you have confidence to surrender control of your lives to the one who hung on it. He's always got your best interests at heart. There'll never be a moment in time where his, his thoughts and his desires and his will for your life are unloving. He's always got your best interests at heart. You see, we find it hard to surrender control of our lives to someone because we can't quite believe that there's someone else who really has our best interests at heart, who, who, who really you know, wants what is best for us in every situation. Unless there is someone who, who actually, before we were all born, had his eye on us and he already loved us. Unless there was somebody who did knit us together in our mother's womb and he's never taken his hand off us. Unless there was someone who not only knows, oh, sorry, not only wants what is best for us, but actually knows what is best for us. Unless there is someone who would actually take a bullet for us and lay down his life for us so that we can receive new life. If someone like that existed, that's who you could surrender control of your life to. But it's not until you get a revelation of how much God loves you that you'll be willing to surrender control of your life to him. You know, disciples... Followers of Jesus are those who have been captured by the love of Jesus and have responded by surrendering control of their lives to his loving leadership. Let me say it again. Disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, we've got to understand what we're actually invited to are those who have been captured by the love of Jesus and have responded by surrendering control of their lives to his loving leadership. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. 
I wonder whether sometimes we've reduced following Jesus to turning up to church every other week, putting some money in the plate when we remember living a good life, saying grace before meals, even when we're at a restaurant, wearing respectable clothes, using appropriate swear words, voting for the right party or voting for the left party, if you think that's the right party, but voting for whatever's the Christian party uh, at the time, watching Christian TV or listening to Christian music. And if we can just get all of those things... Right, and we can just hang on to heaven, then I'll be okay. Now, they're all good things to do, but it's just not what Jesus invites us to do. It's not the invitation that He gives us. We're invited to surrender control of our lives to Jesus daily. We had a big prayer meeting in church about 10 years ago. And uh, it was, I was sitting right down the front row where Jace is sitting. I was just about to get up and lead the bit that I needed to lead. And it was one of those moments where I just began to see, God gave me eyes to see my self-centeredness and how once again I'd slid forward and I'd taken control of my life. I was leading my life and I was leading the church through my own wisdom, my own strength. I was doing it my way. And I began for the first time in a long time to actually understand God's lament for sin. How much his heart just hurt when we decide to live lives our way instead of his way. And I was sitting on that seat and I just began to sob uncontrollably. And I wanted to stay on the seat. I was trying to hold on to it, but I couldn't. I ended up on my knees before the Lord and then before long I was on my face just confessing my sin to the Lord. Very humbling moment. There was a couple hundred people from our church there at the time. Really humbling moment. But this is the incredible thing about God. He didn't want to make me feel small or defeated or hopeless. It was almost in the midst of that lament and that pain and that confession, I could feel him beginning to lift up the humble because that's what God promises to do. He lifts up the humble. And I could begin to feel and experience in that moment just a new release of joy and peace in my life. I'd actually been, nobody knew about it except for my doctor, but I'd been quite sick for, for nine months up until that point. I just couldn't shake it. You know, in that moment, God healed me. I didn't know it for a few weeks later. But that sickness has never come back again. As I actually just chose to surrender my life to him, I experienced a new life of peace, a new life of joy, a new life of freedom. I shouldn't be surprised. It's exactly what Jesus said would happen. This is what he said in the next verse. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and and follow me. Because he says, whoever wants to uh, save their life, whoever wants to hold on to control, you'll lose it. But whoever loses their life, whoever surrenders their life to Jesus, You'll save it. 
You see, Jesus asks us to put our self-centered life to death, to take it on a death march daily because it's an inferior life to what he's got for us. He wants to give us a better, a more loving, a more peaceful, a more joy-filled, you know, a more powerful, a more Jesus-like life. But you don't get it by just saying, Jesus, come along for the ride and bless me. You, you actually get it through surrender, through saying, more of you, less of me. Not my will, but yours be done. See, the way God's blessings flow is through surrendering to his will so that what happens here on earth is the same as in heaven. You see, the decision to follow Jesus, there's an important one-time decision right at the start. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. But following Jesus is actually a hundred decisions a day to surrender control of our lives to Jesus. Surrender control of our time, our talent, our wallet, our, our sexuality, our, our, uh, our opportunities. To surrender control of every area of our lives. All of our thoughts, all of our actions. To live in a posture of not my will, but yours be done. It's a daily decision and I believe in every season there's, there's, a, there's, there's a surrender that God is calling us to because he wants to release more of his power in our lives. And so 20 years ago on the back of that motorbike, it was the beginning of, of a new ministry for me and just seeing God at work in powerful ways. 10 years ago, on my knees in that prayer meeting. God's changed me in that, in that season. He brought me to a new place of surrender and there's just a new freedom in the way that I live and serve and minister. I'd say this COVID season's been another season for many of us, but we've all got a decision to make of how we're gonna respond, of how we'll respond to the invitation of Jesus. Because I believe in this season what God is doing in the midst of all the things we don't understand, what God is doing, he's smashing our illusion of control. He's helping us to see we're not as in control of this planet as we thought. And so I found, particularly in that lockdown season, one of my little disciplines was to actually be at uh, Cleveland Lighthouse, either as the sun rose over the bay or set over Ormiston. They're both beautiful. Depending on what happened, I had happening for the day, I'd be at one or the other. And I'd just sit there and I'd say, God, you made that happen. You hold this world in your hands. Everything that's happening around it, you are in control of this world. You make that sunrise and you make that sunset. I was feeling more anxious and more inadequate than I probably had for years. Leading this church had become quite second nature to me. All of a sudden, I had no idea what to do next. And God said, good. It's time to surrender. Let me have control. I am sovereign. I've got this. I don't know what it is for you, but I believe this is a season. It's the prayer that keeps coming up in the heart of our church calling us to a posture of surrender, saying, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do 
and I'll go wherever you want me to go. You see, it's as we get a revelation of his love and it's as we get a revelation of his power and his holiness. Isaiah in the temple, Isaiah 6, says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I'm a man of unclean lips. He comes and atones for his sin. And he says, here I am. Send me, I'll go. I'll be your mouthpiece. And that's what Jesus says next in this passage. He says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? If you will be ashamed of me and my words, then I'll be ashamed of you when I come again. I wonder whether this season God is saying, time to surrender. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll speak whatever you want me to speak. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You know, at the uh, footy that night years ago, I was praying that the game would never end. I was actually praying that at Aussie Rules, they just played to the death. And, uh, you know, I'd never have to get back on this bike. And it turns out they do play for a jolly long time. It's a long game. But the game did end. And I had to get back on this bike. And I jumped on the back and I just decided on the way home, I'm not going to be as terrified as I was on the way in. I'm going to do this a bit differently. And just as they're coming up to the Harbour Bridge, there's these big sweeping on-ramps getting up onto the Harbour Bridge coming out of the city. And as we're coming up to those big sweeping ramps, I just decided, all right, I'm going to do this differently. I'm actually going to close my eyes, relax, and just go with the bike. Wherever the bike goes, I will go. Close my eyes, relax, go with the bike up around these big bends. You know what? It was even more terrifying than the first time. It was awful. We're only, you know, almost at home. We're at the second last set of traffic lights, and I'm having my own little worship party on the back of the bike. I am singing songs of praise to Jesus because I am alive and I'm almost home. The end is in sight. And we're sitting at these lights, and all of a sudden, this hotted up rotary pulls up next to us full of young punks hanging out the window and it's kind of burbling away next to us and they're, you know, they're pushing the, uh, the, uh, their throttle and the clutch and the back end's shaking around and I'm thinking, oh no. And they're sitting next to us at the lights. I'm just about, I'm just lifting the, my visor on my helmet to say to my brother-in-law, you're a grown man. You've got nothing to prove. Just let them go. I'm just lifting my visor to have this little sermon on a Saturday night on the back of my bike. It was too late. The light turned green and he took off. And this thing does, you know, zero to 100 in like 3.8 seconds. But he forgot that he weighs 65 kilos and I weigh 100. And he took off and we are doing in about 1.8 seconds, we're doing a wheelie, you know, along Parramatta Road at about 120 kilometres an hour. And I'm just hanging on to the back of this bike for grim death. Eventually the front wheel came back down and I looked around and we blew those young punks away. And, you know, I had this adrenaline going through my body. And I just remember turning around going, yeah! <laughs> remember, it was a long time ago. <laughs> but this is, what, this is my encouragement for us. You let Jesus in control of your life. You say, Jesus, I'll go 
Wherever you want me to go, do whatever you want me to do. You got control. I surrender control. There'll be moments of fear and uncertainty. There'll be moments of not knowing what's going to come next. It'll be an adventure of faith. You see, he's inviting you to an adventure of surrender. The only way you get to have the adventure, I've, I've seen the blessings and the power of God poured out, seeing lives healed. See, wherever, if you're following Jesus, people are coming to faith, lives are getting healed, communities are getting transformed, families are getting put back together because that's what Jesus does. If following Jesus has gotten boring, at some point in time, you've actually slid full forward and taken control yourself. Because Jesus invites us to surrender our control of our lives to Him. And He promises us an adventure of faith, life to the full. Whoever wants to try and hold on to their life to save their life will actually lose it. But whoever loses their life for the sake of Christ will find real life, will gain exactly what God's got for them. It all comes down to, will you surrender control of your life to Him? My prayer is that as you see a motorbike go past, you'll ask yourself the question, where am I sitting? Who's in control? I just believe God just wants to pour out new life, new blessings in this season. It's got nothing to do with trying harder. It's it's got nothing to do with just trying to be a better person, trying to pull your socks up a little bit higher, prove yourself to God. It's doing a bit more. That's all to do with the posture of your heart. It's just saying, I surrender it all to you. Less of me, more of will. Not my will, but yours be done. There's new life. He's going to pour out. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you do create us, not to frustrate us, but you create us with a a life of faith and adventure and love and purpose and mercy and power and goodness in your mind. And God, you've given us a way to live it, to experience it, to enjoy it. You've invited us in. You've invited us to come close. You've invited us to surrender control of our lives to you because you want to give us something better. So God, would you help us to do that today? Help us to do that with our time, with our talents, with our treasure, with our relationships, with our dreams, in our businesses, with our study, with our thoughts for the future. God, help us to do that with our bitterness and our hurt, the unforgiveness that's in our heart. God, might we surrender to you today and say, not my will, but yours be done. Pour out your life-giving spirit in this place. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we finish this morning, 
the, the team's going to sing a really old song, I Surrender All. And I don't know what all is for you today. There might be something specific in your mind to you just say, it's time to lay it at Jesus' feet. I've just created some space down here for you to come kneel before the cross. You see, it's His cross that actually gives us confidence to take up our cross and to follow Him, to surrender control of our lives to Him. There's no one in this world that wants anything better for you than Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's stand together. The team's going to sing. I surrender all. I just want to invite you today to come and kneel before the cross. You know in your heart what you're surrendering to Jesus. You don't have to tell anybody else. You might need to before you leave the room, but that's up to you. Just invite you today, come and kneel before the cross. Come and surrender afresh to Him. So I'm giving this to you, Jesus. I'll do wherever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'm laying it all at your feet. As we sing this song, just, just come and kneel. I'd love to pray over you in a minute. I'm going to join you, actually. I'm going to kneel with you and just pray over you. But just come. Come when you're ready. Thanks, Jesse. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know. 